Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. Today's message is side by side, and it's not about refrigerators, so don't think we're going there. We'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to get you to kind of mark that because we'll refer to this quite a bit. But let me ask you a question and listen very closely how I ask this question. Are you comfortable? Now my question today is this, we're going to get into this. Are you comfortable? Now what does that mean? Are you able to comfort? There is a part of church that does not happen. In fact, I would say most of church that is really church, church is not a building, it is a people. And most of what is really church does not even happen on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night or whenever you gather. It happens the rest of the week. And if church is not going on during the week, it's probably not going to happen on Sunday. When Jesus left the planet, we'll make reference to this in a minute too, when Jesus left the planet, you have the God of the universe and a man at a certain place at a certain time. He was with the disciples. He was in Judea and Galilee and all those areas. But everywhere he was, that's where he was. He wasn't everywhere. And he said to the disciples, I'm going to leave one day and it's going to be a bad thing for you, but it's going to be a great thing. Because when he left, he left, but he sent and promised to send the Holy Spirit. And when he sent the Holy Spirit, he didn't just float around the planet. It's not like the atmosphere. God is everywhere, granted, but He cannot be where you don't allow Him to be, and that's in your heart and your life unless you open the door and let Him in. But once, as a believer, you let Him in, now when we disperse from a place like this, this church is all over town and literally all over the world. There are people who will leave today and travel to San Francisco tomorrow. You'll go maybe to the Middle East. You say, well, where's your church? It's all over the place because God in His people, you go wherever you go, you take Him. Now, the question is not if you're a Christian whether God's in you. The question is whether you're letting God live in you and through you and making a difference where you are. And you think, well, I'm screwed up. I'm no preacher. i got all these problems. I've got a mess in my life. I've committed so many sins and screwed so much stuff up. Nobody would ever listen to me. Let me tell you something. If it's working in spite of that, that's why they'll listen to you and they'll never listen to me. If I sit down with someone struggling with drugs and they say, well, man, have you ever struggled with drugs? And I go, never smoked a joint in my life. Well, what do you know about it? I can encourage them and help them a little bit, but I don't know what they're going through. But you let somebody who has come through that or is going through that sit down with somebody who's struggling with that, they're all ears. But where do people find encouragement? By watching someone who's been through what they've been through and said, if you've been through what I've been through and you've made it, and this God has made a difference in your life, I want to know how because I'm not making it. And they don't want just religious words. They want some answers. I can only sit down with so many people in a given week and talk to them physically, emotionally, you can only do it so much. But you know what? The great news is that's not what's got to happen. It's not about me sitting down with everybody. It's about everyone in this room either sitting down with somebody or having someone sit down with you, and that's what makes it community. That's what makes it church. And if you've had this mentality, and I don't blame people in general, if you've grown up in church especially, most churches 
train people to come into an auditorium on a given day, sit down very quietly, don't disrupt anything, don't, you know, do you just stay in your place, you write a check, you pay us to do our job, which is ministry, and you go back and just try to keep your nose clean so you don't be a bad reflection on our church. And people do that for a few years and go, this is ridiculous. What do I get to do? I'm tired of going to work and nothing changing there, and you just want my money to build some building or whatever you're doing. Let me in on the action. People that love sports, you know, it's funny. You go to the ballpark in Arlington, and the stands are filled. You watch these adults. There are men that walk in there with a mitt in their hand. They literally pick a seat where they might be able to participate in the action. When you go to a sporting event that you love, there is something inside of you that says, man, I'd love to be out on the field. And I think people go to church and they know God and they have this relationship and something inside and the Holy Spirit says, man, you can get in this game. You don't have to watch. And the mentality, the philosophy, the goal around here, guys, is not for everybody to come and hear. It's for us to go and tell. It's for us to go and live. It's for you say, but I'm going to screw it up. I won't say the right thing or I won't know what to say. Just try. I got little kids at home. I'd rather my little kids be tripping and falling and busting their nose trying to walk than to say they're going to hurt themselves and strap them in a chair and never let them learn. You're going to get hurt, and somebody around you is going to get hurt, but you've got to get on the field. And you go watch a little league game. If everybody that gets up to bat, you know, they're just holding that bat, and they're not, you know, you see them doing crazy things. You know what? Nobody cares, because if those little leaguers are given some time and some patience, they're going to start hitting the ball. They're going to make it. I don't care if you all screw up, swing the bat, step up to the plate. And when you get out there this afternoon at lunch and tomorrow at work and Thursday at some meeting and you look across the room and somebody somehow gets it out that their mother died or their sister's sick or something's going on, something inside of you ought to go, I'm it. I'm up. The preacher's not here. This isn't church. But I'm a part of a body, a living organism that can step in here and say and do something that may make a difference. It is as simple as coming up alongside somebody and saying, hey, what's going on? You go back and read uh, the story of Job in the Old Testament. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place, that names their names and where they came from, for they had made an appointment together to do what? To come and mourn with him and to comfort him. There are times in your life and in my life, and Americans are the worst on the planet, I think about this. We are so stinking proud, we can't admit that anything is wrong. And we will suck it up, we'll put a, the face on, whatever we have to do, withdraw from everybody. Sooner or later, you crack and you have to say to somebody, I can't take it anymore, I need some encouragement, I need some help, I can't do this by myself. And allow someone to what? Stand side by side with you, alongside you, sit down and just talk. You can't carry this load by yourself. And you think, why is God doing this to me? Let me tell you what, sooner or later your load's going to get so heavy and the reason it's getting that heavy is God is going to get you to the place where you're either going to be crushed by it or call out to Him and somebody else for help. You cannot live a Lone Ranger life. You've at some point got to reach out and ask God to help you and let Him let someone else help you. It's not a bad thing to need help. And it might be somebody older, it might be somebody wiser, it might be somebody who's been through the same thing, but guys, you have these opportunities. I've sat down with a number of people, some of them going through relationship stuff. And I'm going to tell you what, you say, well, I'm not comfortable with this. Then you better get comfortable because ministry is this. Helping people is this. One person in particular, I sat down, most of our time, the person just cried. You say, well, who wants to sit with somebody and watch them cry? You know, nobody wants to do it till it's you 
You know, I don't feel comfortable with that. But when you're the one doing the crying and wish to God there was somebody watching and listening and helping you through your deal, now you're like, well, this is a great idea. You know, get on the other end of it. Do unto others, the book says, as you would have them do unto you. Whatever you think you'd want in that situation, then get on the other side of it and do that to somebody else. Kids can do this. In fact, kids do this better sometimes than adults. Now, they usually do the injuring and then go console the person. That's part of the problem. You know, they'll smack, oh, I'm sorry, let me help you. You know, They're doing all of it. But kids will even go over and offer more comfort sometimes than adults do. And guys, this is very basic, simple stuff, I think. But this is where we miss out on hitting and touching an entire world of people. And everybody sitting in this room and everybody listening to my voice has got hundreds, if not thousands of lives they touch in a lifetime. And if you'll just slow down, keep your eyes and ears open and say, God, use me. Where are these people? Why have you got me here? I'll tell you, I had some car trouble. The battery went dead in the car. I had to get it towed. And I thought, God, this got to be about the tow truck guy. And I got in this tow truck with the guy. Somebody came and got the girls, took them home. Yeah, this is a disaster. Let me tell you something. Forget your disaster. It's not about you. God could keep you so pristine, safe, clean, never have a problem if he wanted to. When he allows something to happen, either you brought it on or he allowed it to happen for a reason. So get with it and go, this is not about a dead battery and having to be towed home. There is a person that's in need or God wouldn't let me go through this. This tow truck guy, I get in the truck and this poor guy, you know, we're riding from Arlington. He's got a long ride with me, so he's in a heap of trouble. So we get to talking. I don't say anything. I think I'm in shorts or jeans or something. You know, he would have known what I did. So we're talking along, and I'm talking to him about his life. And in the middle of this ride, he goes, you wouldn't be like a preacher or something, would you? <laughs> and I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. I never said anything like that. Then later on the conversation, and I'm going to tell you what, this is the highest compliment, and you have no idea how much this stuff means to me. He said, you're not like any other preacher I've ever talked. And I stopped him. I said, buddy, let me tell you something. That's the highest compliment you could ever pay me. He said, you're not trying to tell me not to do this or do that or that I got to go to church some. I was talking to him about him. And I didn't push. I didn't squeeze. I just said, look, I got a dead battery tonight because of you. I said, let me tell you something. My wife got taken home and my kids and all this happened because the God of the universe cares what happens to you. And if I've got to have a dead battery and go through all this hassle to sit in this truck with you and tell you that God's got a plan and a purpose for your life, I said, you may not give a rip about what I'm telling you right now, but here's my card and here's my number. And when whatever has to happen that happens and you need somebody to talk to, you call these numbers. Now, was I inconvenienced a little bit? Yeah, but let me tell you something. You don't know and I don't know what's going on in that man's life. And the God of the universe, see, it might be you. And you're out there driving around doing your thing. And inside you're going, God, where the heck are you? Why doesn't somebody talk to me? I'm asking these questions. No one will speak. Everybody claims to know God and they all go to church. No one will spit it out. They're all too ashamed or nothing's going on. God, where are you? And you end up in a tow truck and the guy says, I mean, what happens to him? I don't know, but my responsibility and privilege is to be there and to be what I'm supposed to be and say what I'm supposed to say and get out of the truck. I don't have to prove that I'm some preacher boy. Just live. And it's not about putting on a happy face and coming to church, guys. It's take the average. Who are you 24-7 if I took the average? Because that's why the world is responding or not responding to your life or to church or God. Because you're all the Jesus they're ever going to see sometime. You're it. You say, well, I'm not interested in that kind of Christianity. There ain't any other kind of Christianity. Then you're not interested in Christianity. We're not selling life insurance policies. So when you die, something good happens. Something good can happen a long time before you die for you and somebody else. 
All right, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and let me read you these verses. And this word, you'll see a lot, this word comfort, used a lot in this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So Paul and Timothy are writing this to the church of God in Corinth, who they're writing it to, together with all the saints throughout Achaia. So he's in Achaia, he says, all of us are writing this stuff to you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he starts praising him. He starts saying, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he identifies him in this way, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. God is the Father of compassion, and He is the God of all comfort. You are never going to run out of compassion and comfort if that's what you need, because He is the God of it and the Father of it. And God doesn't run out of anything. So if you need compassion in your life, and you need comfort in your life, or you need it for somebody else, you're never going to run out. Now whether you want to dispense it or not, or use it or not, that's another story. Verse 4, "...who comforts us in all our troubles." So that, now there is a reason, watch this reason, it's kind of like a tank filling up so they can overflow and fill up another tank. Get that picture in your head. Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So I get in trouble and I'm comforted by God in my trouble. And then God uses the comfort, this encouragement that I've received from Him, and then I turn and look at you, and you're in trouble, and you may not be feeling comforted from God, but when I'm full of that comfort, then I can turn around and overflow into your life, and you go, wow, that was very comforting talking to you. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know what, I spent some time with him, but he wasn't very comforting. Ever heard anybody say that? That's what they mean. I don't feel better. I'm supposed to feel more comfortable when I get away than I did when I came. I don't feel very comfortable. He comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, and there are going to be sufferings, you're going to suffer some persecution. Verse 5, For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. Now what does that mean? If I'm in trouble, he says, that's for your comfort and your salvation. Why? Because if you sit there and watch me go through a tough time, and I am distressed, but you see that it's working out okay and God's comforting me, then what you say is, you know what, if he can make it, I can make it. And you are comforted and literally saved from what you're going through because you see God doing something in somebody else's life. Why is it so important to get real and share the stuff that's really going on in our lives? Because you sit in a room like this and you go... Gosh, man, he's got that going. i got nothing going on compared to that. If he can survive that, I can certainly survive this. And what are we? We're comforted by that. We're encouraged. We get out beyond ourselves. So the sufferings of Christ flow into our lives, so also Christ our comfort overflows. Verse 6, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Why is it so important to read the Old Testament, all these scriptures? Guys, there are people that have been through stuff that you're going through and worse, and when you see it and you read it, you go, I can make it. And you just think you got trouble till you hear about somebody else's trouble. Now let me tell you something. There's a point where you really got trouble, and there's nobody out doing your trouble. And that's when you turn to Jesus. And if anybody had trouble, he had trouble. And if he can endure what he had, then you can endure what you've got. Verse 7, and our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. As a Christian, you are going to suffer. 
The book is replete with suffering, tribulation. You're going to have trouble, period. If you do the wrong thing, you're going to suffer. If you do the right thing, you're going to suffer. But the book says it is better to suffer for doing good than wrong. So if you're suffering, pray it's for doing the right thing. All right, there's one passage. Some of you may remember, may have heard of Psalm 23. It's a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You go through, read that, Psalm 23, but there's a verse 4, it says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Do you know why you fear no evil? Not because you've got a lot of strong-willed, positive thinking. You're not going to make it through anything unless He is with you. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil when He is with you. Why? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, it says. The rod was a tool to protect the sheep. The staff was a tool to guide the sheep, pull them back. There's a lot of things that happen with these implements. And we see God and think we're gonna, He's going to whop us. Let me tell you something. The rod in God's hand is not to club you. It's to club the enemy. God is out to protect you, to comfort you, to guide you. And you hear a gentle nudge. You know, sometimes it's going to happen today. It is going to happen as sure as I'm standing here this afternoon in your life. The enemy is going to say, hey, let's go do that. And God's going to gently nudge you and say, no, let's go do that. And you're going to have to make a decision. It's comforting to know that no matter what the world screams at you, let's go. God has a plan and a purpose, and He will show you what to do. All right, that's Psalm 23. And I'm going to read this one other thing in 1 Thessalonians 4. I talk to people who are completely freaked out about going to funerals. They won't go to nursing homes. They won't go to funeral homes. They won't go anywhere near anybody that's dying. A hospital where somebody's dying. Let me tell you something. That's where we ought to be because we got answers and comfort for people going through that stuff. You say, well, that's a preacher's job. Not on your life. That's part of what I do, but there's no way I can see everybody who's sick and everybody's in the hospital and everybody's dying. And frankly, if you have lost someone, you are better equipped to go in and talk to somebody anyway. You say, well, I say, sometimes it ain't about saying anything. It's about sitting. Well, I'm uncomfortable. Well, get over it. Because they're more comfortable when you're uncomfortable just by you being there sometimes. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Now listen to what he's talking about. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The Bible does not say don't grieve, don't have sorrow. It says just don't do it like people who don't have any hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Already died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That is awesome news. And you know what he says in verse 18? Because that's so awesome and these things are true, therefore comfort one another with these words. You say, well, somebody died in my family or friend or whatever it is, and I think they're Christians, whatever's going on. What do you tell them? There's what you tell them. Underline it, put a note in your Bible, put it in the back. Death, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. And the next time somebody says, well, what do I say? Somebody died. Open it up right there and say, this is what I'm supposed to say. I don't even understand all I know about it, but that's what you ought to be doing right there. Be comforted. <laughs> that's all you can do, do that. People want to know what happens when they die. They're scared of this stuff. And you can comfort people with truths out of the Scriptures. That's what they want to know is what God says, not what you think anyway. All right, John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. This is Jesus speaking. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Another, the word helper is also translated comforter. 
someone like Jesus. And this word another is the same kind as just a different person. He's just like Jesus, but he's coming when Jesus leaves. I pray the Father he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you and He's going to be in you. When you become a Christian, the God of the universe moves inside your body in the person of the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have God living in you. Now whether you have God living through you or not is a matter of whether He's in control of your life. He may save you from an eternity separated from God, but He won't be able to live through you like He wants to unless you make Him Lord, the Bible says, or boss of your life. He dwells with you and will be in you. Now look at verse 18. I love this stuff. I will not leave you orphans. You ever feel abandoned? Like you're all alone. And He looks at him, and He knows what they're feeling. He's talking about leaving. He says, I'm not going to leave you. And when I leave you, I'm going to send another helper. You're not going to be by yourself. And he told them to wait. If you go back and read the end of uh, Luke and part of Acts, he said, wait till he shows up. And I'm going to tell you something. When the Holy Spirit showed up, everybody knew it. And if you've ever lived without him in you and he shows up, you know what the difference is. I've never heard an audible voice, but I hear him. I feel him gently guiding me down the path. And every once in a while, I get smacked pretty hard because he loves me. And he's not going to let me go. He is a father to the fatherless. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world sees me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him or show myself to him. Verse 22, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. In other words, live in you. Verse 24, He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things... And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, He names who this Helper, this person is going to be, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. Now let me tell you how important this is. You can get by yourself in your house with nothing but this book and say, Father, you got to talk to me. i got to hear something. i got to know what's up here. And you can sit down, and if you know God and the Holy Spirit lives in you, He's going to talk to you and do this. It is a promise. Verse 26, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Those scriptures can come to life. You'll be reading along, and I'm not saying don't come to church and hear it, don't go to Bible studies and hear it, but there is nothing like eating for yourself every day at home along the way and letting God speak to you and your heart through His Word. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. 
Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Now, let me wrap all this up with verse 27. When the comfort deal is working, let me show you what it's associated with. Verse 27, peace. When you sit down with somebody and God is comforting someone through you, an overwhelming sense of peace is going to come over you and that person. I'm not saying your problem is going to go away, but you can experience peace in the midst of the storm. So you just sit down with somebody and they are just freaked completely out about whatever it is. And you sit down and you start talking and let God talk in you and through you and spend time with that person. Before long, a sense of peace comes over them. And nothing's changed in their situation, maybe. God changes you sometimes, not your situation. And somebody coming alongside, side by side, sitting down, talking, listening, encouraging you. The Holy Spirit does it. We can do it. That's what changes somebody's life. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Those are comforting words, but I'm going to tell you what, guys, you're not going to find it anywhere outside of a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.